I'm really excited in some ways um, of, of this message that God spoke to me for this morning, walking free. And it's really about having to um, walk with the mind of God in our situations. And when we can walk with the mind-blowing mind of God who thinks thoughts higher than we could ever think them, and go places and, and know things. His mind, which is so creative, which creates things from nothing. When we get the mind of God, you and I walk free in our situations. And it's amazing how true that is. And this morning we're going to talk about the Gibeonites, but I know that doesn't mean a lot to some people here. Um, explaining how to walk with the mind of God in our situations to know amazing deliverances. But we're going to talk a little bit about the Gibeonites. But, but first, I, we just got to start out the gate with the mind of God for the believers in this place. What is the mind of God? If you are saved, if you, Jesus Christ has forgiven your sin, his Holy Spirit lives in you, and your heavenly Father is is, is uh, loving you and changing you and changing me. Here, here's what it says. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's an amazing statement. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him? also freely give us all things. So if God is for us and God will favor us and God has adopted us and if God has filled us and will freely continue to give us all things that we need to live godly, to live life as he intended it. Hallelujah, what an amazing mind of God that is revealed in this word. His, his ways are and thoughts are so above ours. And what's amazing to me is that this God perspective that we have to always return to, we have to be trained to think this way because life teaches us otherwise. You know, and I have three things I want to say about how when God breaks through with the mind of God and, and just changes us and lifts us up, but, you know, this God perspective, if God be for us, who can be against us? This is true. That God is for us and the favor of God is with us as his people. But I know for us, we can automatically go, but yeah, that's true. But we can't fully embrace it because we know the week we've had. We know the thoughts in our heart. We know the struggles. We know how sometimes we live our life so independent of him. Sometimes we almost feel guilty going to church because the God thoughts haven't been so abundant and free-flowing all week. And yet we come in and we say, Lord, you say to me, if God be for us, who or what can be against us? And you promise with your son to give us freely all things we need. And so, Lord, it doesn't start with me and my behavior. It starts what you have decided to do for me. It starts with what you have decided how this works. And, you know, the best way I can think of that is this God perspective that we have to start with before we go to the Gibeonites is one time we were in Ireland. I've told this story before, but 
I was in Ireland and at a women's conference, and they decided that um, what we should do at the break time is that we should all paint pictures. And I was really excited about that. I had never painted before, and I love art, and I thought, this is going to be amazing. And they said, it's really easy. And they brought out this beautiful painting of a garden, and they said, now all you have to do is watch the master painter, and whatever she does, you do. Oh, that's great. So I've got my canvas and she goes, for example, if I dip it in the red and I go like this on the canvas, you just take your brush, dip it in the red and go like that on the canvas and then clean it and tend it and put it in the blue and go like this and with the green like this. And it's like, that's amazing. I mean, she's so good. She's going to have us reproducing that picture that we're following as the guide. And I was so excited and this thought came to me, that's awesome, I'm gonna paint this amazing picture and I'm gonna give it to my husband as a gift. <laughs> and, and he'll be so proud of it and, and, and I'll be so proud of it. And you know, and that'll be amazing. So we started and I, you see, I, I had a big want to. I really wanted to, to do this and I was excited to do it and I had high hopes about doing it. But can I tell you, the results were so disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's like I didn't understand edges on a canvas. The flowers just went to the edge and fell off and dripped off the side. It was lifeless. It had no depth to it. It was horrible. And the worst of it, my sister was with me. And my sister, who has, you would think, the same DNA as me, she painted a picture that was 100% better than mine. And it was like, oh my goodness, like my very own sister. Huh? This, I am really that bad. I mean, that is really bad. And I thought, I thought I could do way, way better than that. So I take it home and I'm really ashamed of this picture. I'm embarrassed by the picture. It's, uh, it's flat, it's lifeless, it looks so childish and... So I go in and, you know, I, I, I give it to my husband. And <laughs> you can't make this up. He jumps up and takes a picture off the wall and puts my picture there. He did. But I'm so mortified. This is ridiculous. And my name is on the bottom of it somewhere. I am so mortified that as soon as he leaves, I take the picture off, put it in a drawer, and put the other one up. And he comes back and he goes, what, what, where's the picture? And it's like, ah. You know. And then he finds it in the drawer and he takes the other picture down and he puts it back up. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, didn't you give this picture to me? You know, and it's like, but I, you see, you know, we're living in a New York apartment and, you know, um, you always see the pictures. I mean, and there's, how many walls do you have in a New York apartment? I'm always looking at this picture, and it just so disappointed me. And I just, every time I looked at that picture, it, I just loathed what I did. I was so disappointed in myself. I mean, I couldn't even follow the basic directions to get a half-decent picture out. It's like I couldn't even do the minimum. And beloved, you know, how true is this? Now, be honest with me now. 
that we are so amazed that God himself decides that our life, this painting that we present to him, he takes it and with all its flatness and all its sin and all its crudely drawn and he, we give it to him and he runs to the, the hallways of heaven and he proudly hangs your life and my life there as a trophy of his grace. As a, as a trophy of his mercy, how much he loves us. Of a, of a, and and we, we can look at our lives and we go, I'm, I'm so disappointed. And it's like we, at times, Lord, I've just disappointed you and I've disappointed me. And we want to take that, we want to take it down from the hallways of heaven and hide it in hell's drawer. We want to, it's like we want to put it out of God's sight in our sight. Because we're, we felt like I was so excited about my salvation, and we were, and we were starting on this faith journey, and then now I really see it as it is and what he accepted, and, and you realize, like, the, the, I feel like the Lord is saying, did you not give me your life? Exactly how I saw it, exactly how it is, and I'm hanging it in the heavens of, of those hallways of heaven as a trophy to me, as, a, as a what I do and what I can and how much I love you. You know, he, I feel like sometimes it's like he, the Lord is saying, if you think it's about artistry, if, if you think because you were so good, because you could do it so well, uh, you're not an artist, I'm the artist. I'm the incredible artist. I paint the sunsets. I painted those stars that are innumerable and they're all named. I painted those mountains, those roaring seas. I painted those green fields. I painted the animal. I painted all that. You are not an artist compared to me. I don't hang it on the walls because it's so good. I hang it on the walls because you gave it to me. And when God says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And the enemy goes, well, that can't apply to me. That can't apply this week. When, it, when I get it a little bit more together, no, beloved, no matter if we belong to Christ, he's that good, he's that great, that we have to agree with him and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? He knows how to take what is inferior, what is substandard, what is where I'm not proud of. But if I will persevere and just keep saying, Lord Jesus, in when I am weak, then I am strong because I'm asking for your life to come and change me. I'm asking for your life to root out things. But I will not give up declaring that you are for me. And you will freely give me all the things with your son that I need. And that's the first declaration of having the mind of God. It's not how good or bad we are. It's how great he is. And he's determined when he loved us, when he saved us, and he says we're family. That's exactly what it is. And we get to shame the devil. And to believe that God really delights in us is an amazing thing. Now, having said that, I want to explain what it's like having the mind of God. We just saw like a 30,000 feet view of how God sees his people, how God loves us and says, I am for you. I'll never stop fighting for you because you're worth it. You may grow impatient. You may think this is taking a long time, but I know what I'm doing. 
Don't stop trusting me because I bring transformation in you and around you. And a most amazing story about this is found in, in if you would like to, and if you have your Bibles or whatever, is Joshua chapter 9. We're going to go there and uh, talk about the Gibeonites a bit. Now, in Joshua chapter 9, this, of course, we're well into the story where Joshua and the, and the children of Israel have entered into the promised land. And that is such a beautiful type of the life you and I receive through Jesus when we get saved. That Jesus makes promises, seals promises in his blood and says, this is what will happen to you as we follow him. And there'll be much that will want us to turn away from following him as if to lie to us to say he, he's not a promise keeper and he's not a way maker and he will not be the miracle worker in our life. All of that is a lie. And he's entering and leading us and taking us to a place where we will grow in ever increasing trust towards Jesus Christ. A place where we will grow in a place that our peace will grow. In a place where we can love others more. In a place where we can believe God no matter the wind or the storm. And God will be faithful. But beloved, that, that's a journey. And when we first are brought in, you know, there were many steps to take them into the promised land. And God supernaturally brought them in. God supernaturally destroyed their enemies. But there came a point where they had victories. It's like you and I at salvation and the old things pass away. Some things just, oh, we have a new way of thinking and a new mind and a new heart. And it's like, wow, we, we've stepped into, it's like, you know, Dorothy from Kansas, you know, goes to another place. It's all in color. It's all amazing. But when we step from darkness to light, and Christ has washed away our sin and he lives in us now. And it's like we're able to think thoughts and able to respond completely different. But as we walk with Christ and we begin to experience the struggles of our own heart and the, and the, and, and the pressures of life and we're not, in, we're not entirely godly in the way we respond. And, and sometimes this is the, the ground where the enemy can sweep in apart from having the mind of God and deceive us so badly. And the big picture that he is for us and he is fighting for us and he will never give up on us. And he's not looking for us to be a perfect picture. He's looking that we keep giving him our lives that he can change us and lead us. That's the important thing. We don't take ourselves down from that hall of mercy and grace and hide ourselves in a drawer. outside of how much he delights and cherishes us and what, what we've given him means so much. And so here we see Joshua. He has the all the people of Israel are following him now. The generation before them had fallen in the wilderness in unbelief. But now there is a new spirit. There is a new people arising. They don't think they're better than the people before them. It's just that they're so hungry to get into a place of life. They're just so hungry to know more of Jesus. They're just hungry to follow him. But they know they are capable of the same stubbornness and rebellion and unbelief. But somehow they know that God, they're walking with him. And he is greater and he is stronger 
And he has brought down strongholds in their lives and they're learning to trust him. But there comes a point in Joshua 9 where after some victories and after some uh, where God supernaturally delivered them from their enemies and they're occupying the land appointed them. That means right, thi- the, this is the land here, beloved. It's our mind where right thinking is coming into the land here, being renewed by the spirit of God and the word of God. And Joshua comes up against the Gibeonites and they're the enemies of Israel and they deceive, the Gibeonites deceive Joshua. You see, because Joshua had known such victories and the army, the, the people of God and Joshua had known such victories against their enemies that town after town had fallen, victory after victory had happened, that all the land was in great fear of them. And this tribe, Gibeon, who lived very close to where Joshua was encamped, there was a tribe of people called the Gibeonites. And they too knew they were going to suffer the same fate, that they too were going to be annihilated. And the Gibeonites and all the people of this land represent spiritual forces that come against us, all the sin that comes against us. It's, it's a type of the victory that we have in Christ alone of winning spiritual battles. And so the Gibeonites, you know, they can put, put a name on it, whatever is some of your fiercest battles. But the Gibeonites come and they decide, they tell Joshua, well, you know, Joshua, we're, we're from a tribe far, far away. We are not close to you at all, but we've heard the fame of you. And we have heard the victories that your God gives you when you trust him, when you follow him. And all we're asking, Joshua, is that you just let us make peace with us and make a league with us. And we see that in Joshua 9, verse 15. They said, make peace with us, make a league with us, and let us live. And the princes of the congregation, the leadership thought that was good. Joshua thought that was good. But the scripture clearly says in the verse before that the leadership did not take counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And so having victories, they feel like we've got this. We know how to do this. We know how to do victory. But the enemy is cunning and sin is deceitful. And, they, and they're gaining too much ground. So what, what happens is they, the Gibeonites, they say, make a peace with us. And they say yes. And they swear by the name of the Lord their God that they would make a peace with the Gibeonites. But lo and behold, they discover that the Gibeonites actually live nearby and they are a close enemy. What, what does this mean to us today, beloved, and having the mind of God? I want to suggest that the Gibeonites is a situation in our lives where our failures, where our weaknesses live very close to us and they live so close to us, they almost live day by day with us. We have made decisions, we have um, done things, and they seem to have repercussions in our life. We have situations where wrong thinking has led us into bad relationships that we seem to pay for over and over again. We get into crushing debt. We get into a place where we may have divorced. We have in a situation where we're damaged because of moral failure, and sexual sin. 
We seem to be living sometimes with decisions, with consequences. And when we hear it proclaimed, if God be for us, who can be against us? It can sound almost hollow in our ears because the inability to rid ourselves quickly of the consequences of the Gibeonites that live in close, this enemy that lives in personal. But beloved, God has a a word for us today. And this mind of God breaks the strongholds and breaks the chains of how we think about this situation when we are living with the consequences of decisions that we have made that seem to entwine and embed themselves in our day-to-day life. And the answer is found in Joshua 9, verse 27. It says, And Joshua made them, that's the Gibeonites, and Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day, in the place which he should choose. You see, the Gibeonites deceived him and live among them. What Joshua said, you know what? I have the mind of God in this situation. I'm going to make this work for me. That you and I have consequences. You and I have things we deal with. But the Lord is saying, I am going to make those situations work for you. How do they work for us? Well, beloved, it says it's going to work. They are going to draw wood. They're going to be heavers, cut down the wood and the drawers of water. When you and I remember times and situations where we have made wrong decisions and we're feeling the consequences, all of a sudden we come into the house of God and instead of uh, tormenting us, we say, thank you, Lord, that you are got your hand on me. Thank you, Lord, I give you my situation. Thank you, God, in my day-to-day life, Lord, I may get so angry at this person, but you understand what the root of that is. You understand why I battle with this day in and day out. And instead of condemning myself, I'm coming to you, Lord, and I'm saying you're going to make it work for me. In other words, amen. When I remember these situations that seem so hard in day to day, I'm going to remember them and I'm going to say, you know what? You're going to hew down some wood for me, memory, the way that I do it. And you're going to keep me warm in my spirit towards Jesus because I'm believing that he's a way maker and I'm not putting a time on when he has to act for me. You're going to work for me. You're going to work for me day to day consequences to wrong decisions. You're going to work for me. You may think you have escaped, but no, the Lord says his mind, this will work for you. He will draw water for you when you're thirsty and the enemy wants to say no water for you. You're going to say no, actually that memory is going to remind me that Jesus said, oh, you are hungry and thirsty. Come to me. And I will satisfy you. And I will give you living water. And you will not be thirsty. The Lord says, no. You see, these Gibeonites, I'm going to make them work for you. And they're going to work for you in the, at the, it says not just in the congregation, but at the altar. You know, beloved, I was sharing this message with Pastor Carter. And he said to me, oh, you know, Gibeonites come to church, don't they? 
Oh, yes, they do. Gibeonites come to church. They follow you in here. They sit beside you. And when it's time to worship God, they go, you don't have any business raising your hand like you trust the Lord this week. Remember what this week has been. Remember what the struggle is. Remember what that area is. But my beloved, you and I can say, you know, Gibeonite, thanks for reminding me of the mercy of God. Thank you, Gibeonite, for reminding me how much he loves me, how much he is for me, how much he will favor me, how much he will give me all things that I need that pertain to a life in God. Thank you that it's going to work for me and separate me even more from your influence and control. Thank you. I'm going to remember you serve me. I do not serve you. No, 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 no says sin will not have dominion over you now beloved the interesting thing the story that Gibeonites actually goes on in Joshua and there is a season where Joshua commits to protecting the Gibeonites and what happens is five kings decide to attack five kings that are enemies of Israel decide to attack the Gibeonites. Now, how true is this? The enemy attacks us where we're the weakest. And the enemy, these five kings I want to put to you are the areas of shame, the areas of fear, of accusations, of this, it's hopeless, and that that God is mad at me, that surround us when we have consequences when we've made poor decisions, when we have that for a season mired in sin and we're trying to struggle out into the promised land and break free. And so while these Gibeonites are to be serving us, the enemy attacks where we're the weakest, where we feel we have to keep giving it to God and saying, thank you, Lord, this bad decision, this thing that you're working through in my life that seems to walk with me day and day, thank you that I'm trusting you for, that I'm growing in faith about. The enemy attacks those areas, not Israel straight on. Those five kings attack the Gibeonites. They attack where we feel so vulnerable. Where we are trying, we keep saying, Lord, I'm giving you the consequence of my bad decision, of my sin. I'm giving you the consequence of my addiction. I'm giving you the consequence of what, where life has led me at times where I did not trust you and did not consult you. Thank you, you are for me and you don't hold it against me. And thank you, you're using it to build my faith. But the enemy attacks those situations. Of course he does. Of course he does. And these five kings come against the Gibeonites. And they, here is the, the, what I think the point of this is. The enemy is desperate that you and I will give up and say it's too hard. Desperate to say, Lord, don't I have to give you this situation over and over again? And then he reminds us, I am for you. I will give you all things freely that you need. And we have to believe that. And then he says, that situation is working for you. It's making you more compassionate towards people. It's making you humble in my sight. It's making you dependent on me. And I'm working it for good. Because all things work together for good. 
But while that's happening, the enemy will attack those areas so that we will give up. So that we'll say, this is not working. So that it will attack with shame. That we want to hide our life in a drawer somewhere as if God doesn't see it. He'll attack us with fear. Nothing's going to change. It's been too long. He'll attack with accusations and that it's hopeless. He will attack that God is mad at me because of these situations. Because every day I have to remind myself of these things that are embedded in my life. I have to remind myself to tell them, you serve me and I serve my God. And they want us to run up, run away and give up. And so when you look in Joshua 10 and 6, it's interesting because the Gibeonites signal to Joshua and says, come up to us quickly and save us and help us because we are being attacked. And so it says that in verse 9, this is very important of Joshua 10 verse 9. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And so Joshua probably doesn't like these, these idiotic memories, these, this, this, these bad decisions. How long do these things plague me for anyway? Now I got to rescue them. You know, sometimes life just doesn't make sense. And is there no end to what I face? But you see, God has an amazing, amazing, amazing plan. Please hang, please hang on. Here's what God's saying today. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And it's greater than what you could imagine. And it's going to impact more people than you could ever imagine. So don't give up. So so Joshua goes, okay, one more time. I deal with this stupid Gibeonite situation. God, give me strength. So Joshua went up from Gilgal all night. Joshua and his army went up all night. Think about this. An army is going uphill all night with their weaponry, with all their supplies on their back uphill all night and guess what when the day breaks that's when the fighting starts that's when the fighting starts and beloved it's it just looks like a picture for a season when we are struggling to understand oh god how long and oh god is any good coming of this and oh god go deeper make my situation work for me Make my situation to the point where it does bring freedom. I trust you alone because nobody else can deliver me from this, these things in my life. And it's like a season of all night when it's dark and heavy and we're tired and the future looks bleak. But still we trust God. And still we decide I will not run from this battle. Still we decide no matter how heavy and dark it gets, where else can I go? Where else? Why would I quit now? Why would I take my life out of the hallways of heaven? Because he wants my life. Why would I do that? And in that dark, heavy time, you and I, beloved, will we'll come to decision after decision to go, I'm just going to have to trust God. 
because there's nothing in me to trust. There's nothing out there to trust. But Lord, you love me and you are for me and you favor me and you will give me all things with your son, all things I need. And amen. And beloved, this is the difference between the power of God and the the authority of God. The power of God comes upon us many times and all of a sudden we feel strong to do things and we'll be in a Sunday service worshiping and all of a sudden we will feel the Spirit of God move and every word we're singing is true. And I'm going out there and I'm going to take on my lion and my bear and I'm going to, with my bare hands, take those things down. Those thoughts, those people, that situation, that's it. My God is greater. My God is stronger. Nothing is impossible with God. That's like the power of God on us. Hallelujah. And thank God for those moments. But then there's a time where it's the authority of God. You know when we we lean on the authority of God? We feel nothing. We don't feel the power of God. But by the authority of God, because we say, God, I have your mind. And I'm leaning on that, not my feelings. When you say you are for me, when you say that you have loved me with an everlasting love, when you say my sin is forgiven, when you say you don't put it to my account, when you say it is finished with me and those enemies, they serve me till you decide otherwise. And beloved, when we trust the authority of God, all of a sudden we get that 30,000 30, feet view. We get the big picture again in our spirit. And we keep climbing that mountain with that all night. All night. Somehow we were given strength not to give up. And beloved, what happens is so amazing. Joshua chapter 10 happens because the people of God at that moment didn't give up and they kept marching for you know a cause they could hardly believe in to rescue the Gibeonites yes indeed that's what they were doing and they marched all night and then when they get there God is so pleased that somehow his word and what he told them they believed it to be true even though they didn't feel it I know they didn't feel it marching all night uphill with that gear on their back They did it because they have been trained little by little to say, God, you are good and you know what you are doing and I trust you. And so they show up and what happens when they show up? It says, and the Lord, verse 10, discomforted them, the, all those kings before Israel, they slew them. It says that, that, uh, that God began to throw down huge stones in verse 11 And it says, and they which were more died with hailstones than those that with whom the children of Israel slew because God threw from heaven huge stones on their enemies. I want to say, what enemies? The enemies of shame, the enemies of fear, the enemies of accusations, the enemy that is hopeless, the enemies of saying that God is mad at me. These things that attack the Gibeonites that are called to work for our good, to call us to increase in faith, in trust, in peace, in joy. These things that will work for us and God will deliver us. And God sends a supernatural deliverance from shame, from fear, from accusations, from saying God is mad at me, from hopelessness. 
And not only that, God is so pleased they didn't give up when he sends that mighty victory of raining hailstones. He's not even finished with that. He doesn't even just flatten shame. He doesn't even just flatten hopelessness. All of a sudden, Joshua gets the anointing of God and he says, oh my goodness, God is giving such a route because we did not give up halfway up that mountain in the dark. God is giving such a victory. He says, sun, stand still. Moon, hold your place. We need a double-day victory here. Hallelujah. A double-day victory for the people of God who will not give up. A double-day victory that will say, my God, you know what you're doing. And when I'm weak, then I am strong. Strong in you, strong in my faith in you, for you are good and you are for me and you favor me and you are with me and you will give me all things with your son. All things I need, all things. And we march into the promised land and we never go alone into the promised land. We take many, many with us. How does God reward those that won't give up? How he will show us the Gibeonites, these situations, they will work for you. They will work for you at the altar in your worship. They will work for you in your day-to-day life. They will draw that wood for you. They will draw that water for you. That you will grow stronger and warmer in Christ, in your faith, for he is worth it. And then when things attack the Gibeonites, God's going to flatten those. He is so delighted with those. Don't give up. He says the most amazing victory of the New Old Testament is when Joshua commanded the sun to stand still. That the day could be longer, that God could do more in that one day, in that time of trust than any other time in our lives. So beloved, I just want to say, please, beloved, don't give up. Don't give up. God will show you how to make those Gibeonites work for you. You and I, the consequences to bad decisions, they work for us. They've come to make us stronger. And what attacks the Gibeonites? God will give mighty, mighty deliverance. Why? Because the word of God tells us the mind of God. We don't think these thoughts ourselves. We'd never come up with this, would we? We would never come up with this plan. We would never see ourselves. We're forever trying to take our picture off the wall. Because we're very disappointed in what our life looks like at times. We're very disappointed. We're ashamed of it. We think it's terrible. So the end of this story is Pastor Carter said, where is that picture? (laughs) You know, I still hit it. It's still hiding. So I should wrap it up and give him for Christmas, right? Praise God. I might have walked backwards to church today. I did. I couldn't walk hardly. But God is good. And we're walking free. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask you to stand. The musicians come. For those who have been in danger for one reason or another of of giving up, it seems too hard. It seems like consequences have embedded themselves and entwined themselves in our life. And you know, there seems to be no end to the battle. It seems like they can follow us for a long time. It seems these things have a tail 
And sometimes we get just so weary. God says, I'm giving you a new understanding today. It's going to work for you. And keep on marching. Because everything that is attacking it, the shame, the accusation, the fear, the hopelessness, and the idea that I'm mad at you, I'm going to destroy it in a wonderful time. Hallelujah. That's the word of the Lord. There may be some people here today that say, God, thank you. Your word is stirring me again that I believe God is for me. If God be for me, who and what can be against me? He has saved me to give me victory. Hallelujah. As the musicians play, we're just going to ask you to come forward. And God is going, we're just going to join in prayer. And God will hear this prayer. Put a new spirit in us and a new fight. Beloved, we're not leaving this place giving up. He's going to put a new fight in us to keep on. Because what God is doing in our generation by his spirit is a mighty thing. And we don't want to miss it. Hallelujah. Let's come to the front. Let's pray together. Let's worship him. He is worthy. Hallelujah. We've sang it, Lord, by the hand of the Almighty. Lord, you are making our consequences and poor choices serve us. We belong in your house and in your presence every minute. That's where you died. You died to give us that place. And we will not be lied and cheated out of. Lord, so many times we've been weary, oh God, in dealing with consequences. And we have doubted you. But we see that the mind of the Lord has come and invaded and said, no, they need to be there. They'll work for you. They'll be what leads you to my restoring love, an understanding of the infinite grace that's upon your life that will never fail you. It, these memories, these consequences will work for you in the altar, in the congregation. Because in faith, we will slip up our hands and worship the one who loves us, who is proud of us, who hangs us on the hallways of heaven. It says, you gave your life to me. This is precious to me. You are precious to me. And Lord, we'll grow in strength by saying and declaring, you know how to make these consequences work for us and others. So Lord, this day, we thank you for the mind of God, which allows us to walk free, not exhausted serving and trying to make up for bad decisions and wrong thinking. But oh God, you're showing us out of your word with your mind this new relationship to these things. And we thank you, oh God, that in being drawn to you, the things that don't belong in our understanding, the shame, the fear, the accusation all the time, the self-loathing, the hopelessness that comes with those Gibeonites, comes against them. Lord, I thank you. You bring supernatural sun stand still deliverance to these things because we do not give up. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for making us a spectacle. Lord, we just choose to trust you as we're walking uphill in the dark with the heaviness on our back. But oh God, we're, we, you will give us your grace not to give up. So I just thank you, oh God, today for your mind. 
We can't think these things. But we receive your mind that says, I am for you. And if I, if God be for us, who and what can be against us in any successful way? Thank you. We put our picture, we give it back, put it up on the wall, Lord. Thank you for wanting it. Thank you for the hope of change. We just declare we love you today, Lord. We just give you our trust. Thank you for understanding us. Thank you for not rejecting us. Thank you. There is a way forward, Lord, and it's called freedom in Jesus. And for this, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And God has touched you today and given you hope. Can we just give him praise today and all the glory? Amen.